Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas Farm Bureau is offering teachers the opportunity to connect their classrooms with a farmer in their area. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have the details coming up on Texas Ag Today. A special Grow Texas FFA initiative was launched this week. It's a chance to inspire. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. East Texas Pasture Transition Time. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories along with the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, we kick it all off with news headlines. Here's Jessica Domel. The state's largest farm organization is now accepting applications from Texas teachers who are interested in connecting their classroom with a local farmer. Texas Farm Bureau's Farm from School program aims to connect kindergarten through second grade students with farmers to see and learn firsthand where their food comes from and how it is grown and raised. Ten teachers from each of Texas Farm Bureau's 13 districts will be selected to participate in the program, which includes a monthly virtual meeting with their farmer and the ability to write letters and ask the farmer questions. The program is set to launch for the spring of 2021. Space is limited. Details on how to apply are available on the Texas Farm Bureau website. That's texasfarmbureau.org. The U.S. Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service has implemented a Mexican fruit fly quarantine in Lasara in Willacy County. According to APHIS, the action was taken after APHIS confirmed a mated female Mexican fruit fly, or Mexfly, in a trap in a mandarin tree in a residential area. The quarantine includes safeguard measures and restrictions on the interstate movement or entry into foreign trade of regulated articles from the area. The quarantine zone encompasses 64 square miles in Lasara. 680 acres of commercial citrus are included in that zone. U.S. pork production fell slightly in October. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 2.6 billion pounds of pork were produced last month. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. The monthly cattle on feed report Friday surprised the cattle market with a big drop in placements. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum has the numbers. The number of cattle on feed on November 1st was just under 12 million head, which was about 1% above a year ago. During October, feedlots placed almost 2.2 million head of cattle, which was about 11% below the a year ago. Uh, the number of fed cattle marketed during October was just under 1.9 million head, which was fractionally uh, below last year's level 
and that's really almost unchanged from a year ago. That placements number at 11% below last year was 2% lower than the trade was expecting. That caused the cattle futures market to take a big jump on Monday. The report also showed feedlot inventories at record levels at 12 million head. That's the largest inventory number since the report began back in 1996. Here in Texas, the number of cattle on feed now stands at 2.91 million head. That's 1% higher than last month and 1% higher than this same month a year ago. Texas feedlot placements dropped 9% from a year ago at 480,000 head. Marketings out of Texas feedlots came in at 420,000 head. That's 3% lower than year-ago levels. The big variations in the cattle on feed numbers show that COVID-19 disruptions in cattle slaughter earlier this year are still having an effect on the cattle supply chain and may continue to do so well into next year. A special Grow Texas FFA initiative was launched this week. Gary Joyner tells more about it. The week of Thanksgiving is a perfect time to pause and give thanks for the people and programs around us. It's a reminder that many are making a difference. A special initiative called Grow Texas FFA launched this week. It's a perfect time to do so. The Texas FFA and Texas FFA Foundation are doing great things in our state and we're thankful for them. The organizations provide amazing experiences to over 214,000 agricultural science students, nearly 140,000 Texas FFA members, nearly 2,400 ag science teachers, and more than 1,000 FFA chapters across the state. The goal of Grow Texas FFA is to create engagement and awareness to share the Texas agricultural science and FFA story. It's a wonderful story to share. Texas FFA helps each student develop their potential for growth, career success, and leadership in a global marketplace. Go to mytexasffa.org grow to learn more. Your actions today help grow the future of tomorrow. As the initiative says, it's a chance to inspire. Every act of generosity counts, and everyone has something to give. Say it, give it, share it. Together, let's grow Texas FFA. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. It's the time of year when East Texas pastures are in transition. Tom Nicoletti reports. For today's program, we go to East Texas to Overton and catch up with Dr. Vanessa Olson. She is a forage specialist with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service uh, there in uh, East Texas. And uh, Vanessa, let's talk about the, the pasture conditions right now in your region of the state as uh, uh, we uh, progress through uh, the autumn months and uh, cooler temperatures. Uh, what are those uh, pastures look like for ranchers? Absolutely. So we're right now basically in a really odd transition. We've had a little bit warmer fall than maybe what we're historically used to. And we've also in East Texas been fairly dry the past several months. So forage production has been a little bit lower towards the end of our warm season, perennial season. And we occasionally have had some cooler temperatures that have probably slowed some of that forage production as well. Some of those cooler temperatures have allowed for the germination of some volunteer ryegrass for many producers. So luckily, they've been able to utilize that during this time and hopefully delay having to feed hay. Having warmer temperatures for a little bit longer has also created an opportunity for producers to get winter pasture planted, even maybe a little bit later than what we typically recommend. 
Uh, you know, our average frost date is November 15th, and we've already passed that date. And our temperatures haven't necessarily, we obviously haven't had a frost. We have had a few cool nights, but so we're really at this weird transition right now. What do uh, stock tanks look like in that area as far as water levels and uh, as they still graze the uh, the pastures? Well, like I said, it's we are fairly dry in a good part of East Texas. Now, some parts have been, I guess, lucky with some of the storm and fronts that have moved through, have been able to get some rainfall. Uh, we are at least hopeful in Overton area in that part of East Texas to get some rainfall this week. Um, I'm sure many ponds and, and other tanks are, are a little bit low um, right now. Uh, you know, for us in East Texas, we're typically used to a little bit more moisture, especially during the fall than what we have had so far. So fingers crossed um, during this Thanksgiving week that we actually get some rainfall and some additional moisture. So not too much supplemental feeding, if any, uh, right now. But uh, what about hay supplies? Uh, Obviously, they are going to start feeding at some point. So this is another tricky situation for a lot of producers because our spring was fairly cool and our Bermuda grass production was delayed. It's likely that many of our producers weren't able to weren't able to produce as much hay as maybe they historically have had. Hopefully, they have a good supply and they've been able to delay feeding. They've thought about planting some winter pasture or have some volunteer ryegrass they can utilize um, during this time while Bermuda grass has really slowed its growth. Um, and hopefully, if they are starting to feed, they have adequate supplies to get them through the rest of winter. That is Dr. Vanessa Olson. She is with Texas AgriLife Extension Service in Overton. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Just as it appeared the cattle markets were operating in a more seasonal fall pattern, Mother Nature threw a wicked curveball in the form of a late October ice storm in the southern high plains. Dr. Daryl Peel, Extension Livestock Market Economist with Oklahoma State University, says that storm was a game changer. You know, cattle markets were drifting lower through October and the early winter storm uh, the last week of October really, you know, put a pronounced seasonal low in. In fact, many auctions were closed in Oklahoma that week as a result of the ice. Since then, uh, we've actually seen a a pretty sharp rebound in cattle markets. Uh, Of course, one of the things that came with the storm was some excellent and very timely moisture for our wheat pasture. And so we've seen a very strong rebound in these uh, feeder cattle markets uh, the past couple of weeks. And that upswing in feeder prices has been a great development for cow-calf producers this fall. You know, again, the, the sharp uh, bounce back in the markets is great for cow-calf producers selling calves. I, you know, auction volumes will probably be good through November and into early December. In fact, the, the volumes were low in October, I think, partly because producers were waiting slash hoping for uh, some better prices, and we're seeing those now. While the October ice storm wasn't a welcome event for those trying to get fall crops out of the field, it did bring much-needed moisture to the recently planted wheat crop, and that in turn is creating more demand for stocker cattle to graze that wheat. Well, on the stocker side, of course, many of those calves are being bought potentially by stocker producers. The higher prices uh, changes the budget situation. Uh, stocker budgets have been all over the place this fall with the variability we've seen in the, uh, the feeder cattle markets, the calf prices in particular. Uh, and also, if you look at the futures markets for next spring that you might be pricing against, uh, they've also been quite volatile uh, up and down. So the budgets really are something that have to be looked at uh, on a very regular basis. Oklahoma State University livestock market economist, Dr. Daryl Peel. 
The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is helping Texans share their love of archery with others. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And many cattlemen who graze stalker cattle are using a dart gun to treat sick calves. But how effective is it? Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tries to answer that question coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Dart guns to treat cattle have been around for quite a while, but they're gaining in popularity, especially among stalker cattle operators. But how effective is a dart gun treatment? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tries to answer that question. If you raise a large number of stalker calves, you may have considered using a dart gun with antibiotics in the dart to treat sick calves. However, there are some studies suggesting that this method of treatment may be less effective than getting the calves in a chute and injecting them with the antibiotics. If you have a lot of calves, treating them is a real dilemma because we want to decrease stress as much as possible. Driving sick calves a long distance to the chute is not a good idea as most of these calves have respiratory disease and are having a difficult time breathing as it is. Some folks rope them in the pasture and treat them, but again, this is really stressful as they cannot breathe well anyway. So darting calves with an antibiotic seems like a non-stressful great idea. However, one study out of Iowa using the common antibiotic Draxin revealed that the darts failed to deliver the medication in 25% of the calves, and calves that did receive the antibiotic had lower serum levels of the drug due to less absorption. Another study at Mississippi found that 25% of the darts did not discharge the medication, although medication levels were similar to regular injections when the drug was delivered. Another study indicated that the darts caused an injection site reaction, which led to an increased drug withdrawal period compared to the recommendation on the label. Lastly, it is impossible to weigh the calves in the pasture and underdosing could occur depending on the amount of drug absorbed. So although treating cattle with darts may be helpful in some cases, there are some concerns about effectiveness of treatment. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is helping Texans share their love of archery with others. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department continues its efforts to get more Texans outdoors. TPWD's Community Archery Program is designed to help future hunters prepare for the next season or find a hobby with archery sports. Rob Owen, TPWD's Outreach and Recruitment Manager, said the program works on a train-the-trainer model. The Community Archery Program is designed to share archery skills with groups around the state who have access to bigger audiences. It's all about trying to help folks run an archery range safely. And oftentimes these archery ranges are mobile and they can be 
set up when needed, used for outreach, used for recruitment, and uh, share archery skills with the beginning audience. The program trains teachers and leaders through a USA Archery curriculum in range setup, safety, program design, and coaching. It is built for community groups like military bases, veterans groups, scouts, camps, parks and recreation departments, and more. If you find our contact information on the Parks and Wildlife website underneath that education tab and reach out to a regional representative, we have a team spread out throughout the state, and we are happy to host uh, USA Archery Trainings, uh, Level 1 and Level 2, and these uh, show instructors how to run a range the safest way possible with the best interest of the participant in mind, some coaching tips, some program ideas, and then this coach goes back to their audience, hosts the program, and hopefully instills the skills and joys of archery in a new audience. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle market took another nice jump higher on Tuesday, but the cotton market was in retreat. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Another higher trade in the cattle market on Tuesday as both live and feeder cattle extended the big gains we had on Monday. We closed with December live cattle up another dollar seventeen, one eleven seventeen. February live cattle up a dollar five, one thirteen ninety five. The April up sixty cents. 117.15. Feeder cattle closing higher. January up 77 cents, 138.60. March feeders up 85, 138.12. The April up 37, 139.35. Cash fed cattle trade at a standstill on Tuesday. No sales to report. It looks like the feedlots are asking 111 to 112. No bids reported from the packers. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up 269, 244.29. Select up 201 at 219.49. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We'll start in Gonzales, Texas. Gonzales Livestock Market selling 2,258 head. The trend was steady. Two to three weight steers brought $1.85 to $1.98. Three to four weights, $1.65 to $1.75. Four to 500 pound steers, $1.30 to $1.63. Five to six weights, $1.19 to $1.25. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar thirteen to a dollar seventeen, and the seven to eight hundred pound steers, a dollar three to a dollar eight a pound. Slaughter cows, twenty four to fifty five cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty four to seventy nine. Stocker cows, five twenty five to ten twenty five a head. Cow calf pairs, seven fifty to twelve hundred a pair. 
Tri-County Livestock in New Summerfield, Texas. 1,456 head sold this week. The trend there was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.24 to $1.70 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.20 to $1.65. Four to 500 pounders, $1.15 to $1.64. Five to six weight steers, $1 to $1.38. Six to 700 pounders, $1 to $1.30 a pound with the heavy 7 to 8 weight steers bringing 95 cents to $1.20 a pound. Slaughter cows range from 15 to 57 cents. Slaughter bulls 65 to 84. Stocker cows 575 to 1300 a head. Cow-calf pairs 1100 to 1350 a pair. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs close mixed. December hogs up 35 cents, 65.30. February down 37, 66.75. Class 3 milk mixed also. November milk unchanged, 23.14. December class 3 milk down 15 cents, 15.51, 100 weight. The cotton market closed lower. Traders getting out of their positions ahead of the Thanksgiving Day holiday. That pressured prices lower. March cotton down 82 points, 72.98. May cotton down 82, closing at 73.83 cents. Nice gain in the Kansas City wheat market on Tuesday. A lower dollar supporting prices as well as declining crop condition ratings. USDA on Monday saying the U.S. winter wheat crop now rated 43% good to excellent. That is down 3% from the previous week. December wheat up nine and three quarters, closing at 561 a bushel. New crop July wheat up nine and a half at 580 and a quarter. December corn down three quarters, closing at 425 and three quarters. Checking the energy markets now, December natural gas up four cents, 275. January crude oil up a dollar eighty-three, forty-four eighty-nine a barrel. And we'll wrap it up with the financial markets. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 423 points, 30,015. The NASDAQ up 144 at 12,024. The S&P 500 up 56 at 3,634. That wraps up our markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin. This is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.